Hello and welcome to the Hulkcast, a newly minted Premier League podcast. I'm James Rushton, once again joined by Danny Raza. Aston Villa have just beat Derby County in the playoff final at Wembley Stadium. And yeah, we're a Premier League team, Danny. We are. I can't believe it, man. I've I've been we've all been waiting for years, and um, you know, it was just it was just such a sweet feeling to finally go back up to the Premier League. I like. I, I feel I feel like we as the fans have been subject to so much like pain over the last decade or so that you know it just it just sweetened the deal even more. Uh, yeah, it felt surreal. It felt, if honestly, I'd have to just just to say it this way, right? I think it felt really weird for us to have such a good thing happen to us, uh, and I'm still not quite over it. It doesn't often happen that good things happen to Villa fans. Does it? it seems like the last ten years, especially, we've had a right kick in. I know there's older fans out there listening, and uh, God bless you. But I think um, we hear a lot about Villa going down to the third division and um, stuff like that, and then bouncing back up. But we've just had constant. It just seems the last 10, 15 years since Martin O'Neill. Well, not even since O'Neill left. The real the real kicker was when Julio left because of health problems. And it just seems like all the hard work that Lerner put in in his first years, it just blew up in his face and it blew up in our faces and the club just went completely downhill. And it never really stopped going downhill until this year. No, I know. It's it's ridiculous. And even for much of this season, it was going downhill. <laughs> even whilst Dean Smith was uh, was in charge for, for a certain amount of time, we were still, you know, around about mid-table. And it would have left us uh, finishing, you know, below where we did last season. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just crazy to think that, that we're finally up. I mean, James, you, 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 you experienced the atmosphere firsthand. I mean, me and you over here, we're, we're approaching it from totally different angles. I mean, I, I watched it in the comfort of my bed, the playoff final. You, uh, you were there. You, 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 yeah. you, you, you experienced that, that feeling sort of full on, <laughs> didn't you? So to speak. Yeah. So, um, I wasn't drinking or smoking any or injecting anything on the day. Um, I would. I was very high, and it was a natural high. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't walk straight. Um, I was just completely, uh, you know, enslaved to the atmosphere after. And it was. It's a good feeling. It was just intoxicating. It was just you know filling your veins, and the whole match was just the. I don't know how to describe it because the first bit. First 20 or 30 minutes were just, it's the same again. There's reversing a team that is decked out in black and white. Half the stadium's roaring them on. They're playing good football. Everyone wants them to win because Frank Lampard's the manager. And you think it's happening again. It's happening again, isn't it? It's going to happen again. Mm. It's all the same. But it's not because Amal Al-Ghazi gets on the end of a cross. He buries it just before half time, And you're thinking, right, it's done now. The, that goal. I know a lot is made about the scoreline 2-1 and John McGinn's goal. Villa scored first. They won. That goal, for as good as, you know, regardless of the scoreline, that is the one that put Villa in. Because I didn't honestly, no doubt in my mind. Honest to God. I thought, Derby, it's not their day. When they get the amount of chances they had and don't take them, it's not their day. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it felt like that, didn't it? I think. I mean, I don't, I don't I know. It's, I don't it's know all it's all well and good me saying I didn't think that we'd lose it. But due to the amount of extra time we had at the end of seven minutes, man, I thought it was What's free. It? He said, I thought, I swore he said free. 
I was like, it's only three minutes. You just kept going on and on. I was like, where's it going to end? I thought, that's it now. I was, gonna I was say, a bit nervous. Was it, was it not tense once Derby scored? I mean, it was quite late on and... Uh, you know that that they I mean Derby scored the sweet spot, didn't they? I think you know around about the 80th minute is sort of like the sweet spot, isn't it? Because that's when that's when a team kind of almost has to start defending and and can't sort of you know contest the game on an equal playing field, right? Well, yeah, I think it, I mean it's all well and good me sitting here and saying you know it was uh we could have we handled them and we did, but at the time, you know when you we're creeping on in injury time and they've just scored. It did feel it. It was nervous. It was absolutely nervous. But you look back at the highlights and you're thinking, Phil, this, this was never out of Villa's hands, ever. The, the way they defended was exceptional. So I don't know. I don't know if you're if you're inviting me to to come in and analyze straight away here, James. Absolutely, but absolutely. I thought I thought Derby. I've been saying this. I mean, I've been I've been speaking to people at work today. Um, a lot of people asking me if I was at the game yesterday. I was not, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, I was I was happy nonetheless, but yeah, um, I think a lot of a lot of fans, uh, a lot of championship fans, I spoke to today. I mean, agreeing with me on this point. I don't. I think Derby last. I mean, Derby played like we did last year. I think the occasion got the better of them. I mean, their defending was was woeful. Uh, they Frank Lampard. Whilst I think he's done a tremendous job at Derby this season, I thought he made the wrong team selection. I think the Jack Marriott would have done this ten times more. Uh, more damage, or would it would have scared us ten times more than 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 Mason Bennett did up front, um, and uh, you, you could see it in the change of emphasis sort of late on once Derby decided right, no, we've got to we've got to attack. They set they seemed to set up to frustrate us, and it bit them. And just like I said last season, just like we said last season, just like many of us have said, uh, you know, following Steve Bruce's. Um, sort of performance in the in the playoffs last season. Um you you can't approach the playoff final like that. You have to you have to be on the front foot because it's that last game. It's you know, if the other team turns up, then I'm sorry, but you're not you're not frustrating them out of a victory. You, I have never, never, correct me if I'm wrong, right? And I've probably only seen a handful of playoff finals in comparison to the amount that they have they have had. I have never seen a team approach a playoff final to frustrate the opposition ever win that final. I've never seen that happen. Yeah, we've definitely got recent history of um of that not happening. I mean, Aston Villa really didn't find their feet last season. Um the season before that I believe it was uh who went up it was um Huddersfield wasn't it and Huddersfield weren't saying that to frustrate anyone. I mean they didn't really do a great job of scoring because I think they went through their three the the three matches without actually winning it was all it was a penalty shootouts and draws true but that was David Wagner's high pressing you know high energy Huddersfield team yeah and regardless of whether or not they they managed to they managed to score many goals yeah no it's just um yeah they weren't sitting out to frustrate anyone it's just it's so happened that they didn't score but you know based on recent history the last three finals you're looking at teams especially from our own story of Aston Villa sitting back or losing yourself in that moment you're not going to do it. And I think Villa was so, they were exceptional and the attack was good. But let me tell you that defence was on point because expected goals can say what it likes. It does not matter in that single match. Doesn't matter because one team might have got the highest score and expected goals. That team is not a Premier League team. No, no, definitely. I think, I think there's, there's an element as well of, 
uh, Conor McGregor style, Floyd Mayweather style visualization as well in that in, in that Villa side. I think uh, everybody just looks so confident, and, and as you say, just defend defensively, we, we were just so solid. When you see Mings and Tonzibi on, you know, at, at centre back, you look at it and you think, right, there's there's no better decision Villa could have made here. Now they 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 are set up perfectly. No no other championship team could could hope for anything better like, in in that sense. And I think as well, you know, when when you approach that game, sort of, and we we've had it in the back of our heads. I think the players have had it in the back of their heads that we're going up. You know, Tammy Abraham, you you can sense from from his body language, um, even even the penalty shootout last week, uh, that that all of these players believe that that they were gonna they were gonna go up. And I think. Um, there's a lot to say for visualization, and the psychology of the team just just looks so much better uh, than it did last season. And I think that um, that inserts itself into that defensive mentality. No uh, cock ups like there was last season. John Terry's more than made up for it. Um, but uh, you know, on, on the other on the other foot, uh, on the other side, on the in the opposition derby, uh, they, they did make those kinds of errors. And you know, them, them being them being the team that sort of. I don't. I don't think they thought that they ever thought they were going to win it. Um, basically, yeah. I thought their belief came in in two periods. It was that first twenty minutes. I thought Derby had a bit of belief that they could hold Villa and pounce. And also in the last ten, they seemed to come on quite strongly. And I think Frank Lampard being quite a novice manager, of course, um, he's adapted throughout the season. He's evolved. He's got better as the seasons went on. He's, he's certainly have improved. He seems to have been a lot more realistic and pragmatic in his approach, where he was more of a dreamer, I guess, at the start. And he thought he could come in with a big idea of a football that he wanted to play. And then when it came to playing it, he didn't really have the players for it. I think he's evolved. I think he'll be a lot better next season. Um, I'm hoping so, because they're... Uh, over the season, their numbers, they've reflected exactly what happened to Reading, which is you overachieve, you end up in the player final, you lose the player final. What happens next season is an utter collapse. And I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. I'm hoping he learns and improves and that number's just uh, anomaly. Anomaly? I can't even say <laughs> that, right. Matt. Can you say that? Can I you say that for me? I think what James is trying to say is anomaly. Yes, there we go. So uh, I hope that he improves and it's just one of those and not a complete Reading situation because it's disastrous. We have friends who are Reading fans who listen to the podcast. So uh, we all know how terrible that was to get one kick away from the Premier League and then collapse. And I'm really hoping that doesn't... From an outside perspective now, because we have no... We, we don't care about the championship anymore, mate. That Derby continue to improve and Frank Lampard continues to improve and maybe they'll be, ne- they'll be there next year. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll go up automatically. Who knows? But uh, I'm hoping that they do well. Should we talk about Villa stuff? Let's talk about something Villa. Let's talk about that goal. Yeah. That first goal. Yeah, let's talk about it. So uh, I, I, I'll try. Give me, let me just remember it. Everything's. A bl- yeah, I remember it now. Um, that was uh, Al Mohamedy whipping it in. But before that, I think it was uh, Connor Hurahan, was it? Was was it with the through ball? Through ball to yeah. El Mohamedy, if I if I remember correctly. And it was it was a, an attack that was started from our own area. And this was very much whilst Derby were on the attack. Uh, Derby had sort of started pushing forward throughout. And a lot of that a lot of that game seemed to be, you know, especially at that point, um, seemed to be being played in our half. And Conor Huran finds El Mohamedy, but El Mohamedy with a with a beautiful cross. I don't know who it was that, that said it, but a few people were saying if El Mohamedy plays anything, uh, you know, like he did in the in the, in the first Albion game, um, you know, we, we, we'll be in. 
Uh, and yeah, he's just whipping in, whipping in beautiful cross for, for Anwar Al-Ghazi. And it was uh, almost uh, identical to an earlier one, which uh, sort of was ruled offside before Anwar Al-Ghazi could uh, put it in the back of the net. But yeah, Al-Ghazi ends up like, uh, he, he basically ends up jumping for it. It was a diving header, wasn't it? If I, if I remember correctly, or, or am I, am I glamorizing it in my head? No, he actually looks like he's been chucked out of a pub by a bouncer. He just flies into <laughs> it. it. There was that people. People have been putting up that picture of uh, what is it, uh, Lois Griffin jumping off the stairs. Okay, you see that, and I mean that. That's exactly yeah, yeah. that's exactly how how I remember it now. Um, James, I mean you you were there. What describe the the noise level when that went in? So I think it's it's at that time of the match when people are going. Yeah, we're going to go in for drinks now because. There's not that much time in the match left in the first half for anything to really happen. Mm. So we're going to go in for a drink. They go in for a drink. They miss the goal. It pops. It goes off. Absolutely. Um, hugging, jumping, belief. The belief flows back in because I think Villa, you go into the match with hope and belief. Then it kicks off and you're thinking it's happening again. It's a bloody another team. They're going to they're gonna go up because everyone else wants them to go up. Then Villa score. And it's just like you, you, you knew it was going to happen, but also you didn't expect it. You didn't think you would see it with your own eyes, and you did. Um, in terms of the goal, I had mm. to wait and see it on a replay, and the highlights just actually notice it. All I saw was the, the cross get whipped in from Almo. Fantastic overload, by the way. I think um, Dean Smith pushed the wingers up for more of a 4 3 3 than uh, whatever they were doing before, because um, you had a front line of Abraham, Adoma, and Al Ghazi. And it worked perfectly because you've got a Doma pushing up. You can pu- pull it back to uh, Almo. And because Al Ghazi's so far up the pitch, he can naturally crash in and header it up. So complete tactical decision executed to perfection by a number of wide players there. And, mate, it just went off. Absolutely. All I saw was the ball hit the net. And you just know if there's no offside flag. It's in. It counts. Villa are 1-0 up. Yeah, no, it's it, it, it was beautiful. I think Derby probably could have defended it a little bit better. Um, but I think is it, I think it was it a bogle that that was marking him. Uh, I'm, I might be I might be totally wrong here, but anyway, um, yeah. Al Ghazi's basically yeah, he's, he's, it's way too easy for him to, to get there. But I I, th- I think the run that he made was was beautiful. Um, actually, I, I think you know the, the 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 positioning was was strong, and I, I mean the commentator almost uh, foreshadowed it as well because I mean they mentioned El Ghazi's height and how you know he he probably is quite a. Um, quite a presence when it comes to set pieces and I think it was really important as well that that Ghazi cuts in because you know I, I think especially in the last few weeks or so I, th- I, know, I know we've we've been in tremendous form but especially in the last few weeks or so I've noticed that Tammy Abraham's been getting almost less and less involved with the game it's not a tr- that's not a criticism of him I, I definitely think he's been marked out and I think teams know that uh, if they can you know get rid of him as a focal point uh, Villa will sort of struggle to, to score Um and so I think just that added support and, and somebody like El Ghazi being able to being able to cut in and, and, and sort of get in there as an extra centre forward option, especially when it when it comes to set pieces or when it comes to crosses, it's it's so important and it's really added added something to Villa's game. Um and and we we've seen it come to life, especially in the last few weeks. Let's talk about how good that cross was though, because Almo he, he's on the he's in the danger zone, right? He's on the corner of the box. He crosses it in, and I want to go into the, the actual set piece array of this because it's almost like a free kick in motion because what he does he crosses it it goes over the keeper so this is pitched perfectly to be out the reach of um, Roos in the uh, the derby goal 
It's beyond all the defenders. They're all facing Almo. So there's only one person who's ever... There's only two people, sorry, who are ever going to attack this. And that's a bloke marking Al-Ghazi. And Al-Ghazi... So it is a complete battle between two players because it's beyond the keeper. It's beyond all the centre-backs. They're looking at the Almond. They have to adjust their position as the cross comes in. So there's only two people here who can really do anything. And that's Al-Ghazi and the fullback marking him. And because Al-Ghazi's got the beating of his fullback through pace and positioning, he's took that clean out. And I mean... As much as we praise Al Ghazi for beating that man there, that's the easiest part of the job. What defensively? No, the easiest part is getting past that full bar, full back, yeah. attacking the ball. The hardest part is Almo's bit where he has to cross in over the keeper and beyond the centre back. It was fantastic. I've decided to to pop the goal up in my view so that I can sort of um, <laughs> so I can confirm a couple of details. Right. So what, one of the things that I think was the was beneficial of having a Doma uh, start on the right wing. Um, don't worry, this is relevant. Is that him and him and El Mohamedi have sort of for two seasons seemed to get along with each other really well. Whilst the Doma's been out of form um, and, and not scored as many as he should have done, him and El Mohamedi seem to work really well in synchronization. Now, Conor Huran's obviously dinked that up to, to, to Albert Adoma. And El Mohamedi always knows where to find the, find the the right uh, the right space to get across in. He always seems to find it, and he never ever seems to be um, sort of stretched. You always wonder because, without his pace, you know whether he's gonna, um, you know whether he's gonna struggle to whip that ball in. But as you say, you know he's 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 got that perfectly. I mean that that was pinpoint. That was pinpoint, and I, I think I think whilst whilst his cross was amazing, I'm gonna slightly disagree with you. And say that I think the hardest part of the job there is El Ghazi, um, is El Ghazi running in for that. Because whilst El Mohamedi has has crossed that in, El Ghazi is actually ages away. But uh, I just yeah. I so just... He, it's, it's is that planned out then? Do you think that that's not a moment of inspiration? That's a that's a that's an in game set play. No, because I think I think El Mohamedi's made a very very educated guess here as well. I, I genuinely do think that, think so because it's not just Abraham in the box there. You you have got El Ghazi in the box. And I think what what El Mohamedi's done really well there, he's almost put that right in the middle of, of El Mohamedi and sorry, he's he's put El Mohamedi has put that right in the middle of, of Abraham and, and El Ghazi. What he needs is for one of them to get a touch to that. Uh preferably the guy making the forward run and that is El Ghazi. Um I think I think to be honest, whichever way you look at it, it's just beautiful play from the two of them. Uh that, you know, we can't take it away from either of them because Almo's put that. He's, the way he's hit the cross and where he's pulled it, it's caught everyone looking because they can't do anything else. What can they do? It's over and above them. There's nothing they can do except watch it as it goes on its path. Yeah, it's also too low for the defenders to deal with that comfortably. You want to when you're when you're a centre half, you you want to be able to to head that out of the box. It's 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 kind of too high for the first defender and too low for the second one. It just dips perfectly, um, and you know it's <laughs> El Mahamadi almost just turns around as soon as that goal's gone in, just as if to acknowledge himself, kind of. Uh, and I, this is this is what I remember. He just acknowledged that cross to himself, um, and I, I I just remember sort of looking at it and thinking, yep. It's uh, my two Muslim brothers whipping that in, Ramadan <laughs> Mubarak. Let's talk about that, mate, because <laughs> it was revealed, and I don't know who to attribute the news to, but uh, Amar Al-Ghazi, he did ask for God's forgiveness after breaking his fast early, so he was in peak physical condition. Right. For the playoff final, he was in peak physical condition. 
because he broke his fast. He did ask for God's forgiveness. He said he will make the time up and he hopes that God forgives him. Where does where does this lie, mate? Can you educate the uh, the listeners? Because I can't really, can I? Yeah, so I would say, like, I mean, I, 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 I don't think anybody should assume that El Ghazi's done anything wrong here. And I know, I know, I know a lot, a lot of people listening aren't aren't, aren't religious anyway. But I'd say just from from a religious perspective, I mean, don't don't assume he's done anything wrong because um, that there is uh, that there is cases absolutely for for travelers where where you know um, they they're not sort of. Uh, they're, they're not obliged to keep the fast. Uh, what what he's obliged to do is is to make that up. Um, so I think uh, you know he's, he's, he he needs to, he needs to make it up for it and make up for it in some way. Um, Al Ghazi and then you know I I have no doubt that he that he will. Um, so you know it's it, it is tough, isn't it? It is tough playing in a in a final of of that sort of stature. Uh, if he has the opportunity not to fast uh i can understand why um why he's decided not to in this case uh and 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 to be honest look look how well he performed <laughs> so uh yeah yeah, I, I, yeah look I, i'm sure i'm sure um i'm sure he'll go back and and make up for it in his own way yeah as he said but um fair play to him i mean it must be a big big decision for him to take on it you know it's not just his own feelings, but whether he feels any judgment from anyone else or whether that, you know, he, he may be putting that on himself, that much pressure. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, just, just look at, look at it, look at it in this way, you know, back in the old days when, when people, um, when people would have fasted, you know, they, they, they would have, they would have had to travel, um, you know, long distances. And then you're, you're sort of playing with two different time zones, aren't you in a, in a sense? I mean, I, I remember, I remember traveling from, from Poland uh, to, to Birmingham one day. Uh, and I, I didn't fast on that day because, you know, it, again, it just gets really complicated with, with the time zones. Uh, I, look, Al Ghazi and Al Mohammadi, they've been they, they, they've been fasting. You know, they've been on that uh, they've they've been on that um, spiritual kick, so to speak. You know, they might not have fasted during the final, but I, you know, they're, they're participating in it, and I'm sure you know the Muslim community is is incredibly proud um, of, of these boys. So Villa's second goal, mate. This one is a uh, absolute chaos, and I don't think. We can, uh, you know, glamorize it as much as the first one. The first one we could really dissect and analyze, but this is just complete chaos. Al Ghazi kicks the ball. He's obviously going for a shot. It takes a massive deflection. It's looping in a massive arch. And a Roos in the derby goal, he goes for it, but he's a bit rattled by the presence of John McGinn. John McGinn, not the tallest player, not the fastest player, probably the fittest player. Um, he he beats Roos to the goal, and Roos can use his bloody hands. So he gets to the ball, kind of bounces into it. And it's a goal out of absolutely nothing. It's a non-situation. A goal should not happen there. The keeper has the right to claim that, and he doesn't even get anywhere near it. It hits McGinn and goes in. So this is a goal that was about as aesthetically pleasing as John McGinn's FIFA avatar. Uh, and I think it was actually... <laughs> what, what what I will say about the goalkeeper, Roos, over here, is that he has gone totally against the principles of fielding in cricket. Um, with this ball, it's one of the first things that you, one of the first things in, that you learn. When that ball, it's not it's not listen, listen, James, James, listen, listen, listen <laughs> to me. All right, that ball is 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 above him and John McGinn, isn't it? Right? Why okay. is he trying to catch it underarm? Why why is he trying to 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 bring that ball in? 
you know what he should, what he should be doing at that point is you know making him you know reaching with his hands try and get something to it he's almost he's he's jumped up in the air and tried to catch it sort of like a imagine mm. it sort of cradling it basically he's tried to cradle that ball but you know john mcginn's head is getting to that um any day of the week if he tries to do that i, th- I just thought it was really inexperienced goalkeeping uh and uh, yeah look I, th- I think john mcginn did really well to to get to it anyway um because either way you look at that, he's he's dinked the ball into the back of the net, um, and it was just, it was still a very very strong header from him. In the end, that keeper should be absolutely cleaning McGinn out. He shouldn't be he shouldn't be retreating back into his own goal and trying to catch the ball like that. He has every right there to absolutely take McGinn out. No, there's no you know McGinn's pushing it. He's really pushing it by being that close to the keeper because the keeper can get away with a lot. It's his box. He can get away with so much. You can just just clear him out. Call for the ball. It's your ball. Put the hands up. Take it strongly. He made he made a massive error, and it was all for Villa's game because that second goal won us the game. Really, you know, in terms of the scoreline, he did win us the game. I'm not sure as we go on about Algarzi's one, that was more important because it was the first goal. I, f- I really thought whoever scored first would win the game, but two one. Thanks to John McGinn. Thanks to the goalkeeping error. That's the actual winner. I think also. If you're the defender there, how are you being beaten in the air by John McGinn? Uh, no, look, I love John McGinn. He's he's super John McGinn, and he and he's an absolute terrier. He's n- his strongest point is not in the air. I just think you know that could have been dealt with so much better. Um, I mean, the, the, his defenders they're just not covering their ground. Uh, it's almost as though they've become so preoccupied with Tammy Abraham there that they've just sort of let John McGinn sort of. Um, get loose and get free there, but look, I'm not complaining. Uh, it was it, it was strong positioning from from McGinn in the end, and that ball just ended up bobbling into the back of the net. Unesthetic, maybe, um, but very very important. Uh, James, at that point in the ground, uh, again, I know we're kind of approaching this like a story almost. Uh, but at that point in the ground, what's what's going on uh, in, in 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 the Villa section, and and what's going on in the Derby section? Uh, so, don't know what happened in the derby section, but I was on the floor. You were on the floor. I was on. The, I was on the floor. Yeah, I got knocked completely knocked over. It was absolute pandemonium. Oh, really? Chaos. Because that's the, when that goal goes in. You know that Villa have won the match, right? You really. I mean, it's in the back of your mind that they can come back, but you are getting really confident now. Like two goals. Phew, come on, it's Wembley Cup final. You know you've won it. Right. I'm... Chaos, I'm gonna mate. give a. I'm just gonna give a quick shout out to to my to my friend Sean, right? He doesn't listen to the podcast. He told me that near him, a guy got sparked out by celebrations. I'm wondering if that's you now, or do you think there was many of you? Mate, no one's no one's laying hands on me. <laughs> no one's laying hands on you. <laughs> nah, nah, <laughs> my dad was hugging me. Uh, my stepbrother was hugging me. My other stepbrother was hugging me. We all fell over because there's just. There were so many bodies, mate. Right, right. You ha- you have to understand that people trying to nick seats and get with their friends because I was in the wrong seat. So there's a lot of p- packed in. There's a lot of bodies packed in. Um, the nature of the goal, the context, it's the second goal in, a, in what, what amounts to a cup final at Wembley. The second goal is very important because it, you know, it's put you two up. You, you're in a strong position. You're in a really confident position. So everyone's going absolutely crazy. But there's really loads of bodies packed in. You're not staying on your feet. Crazy, mate! Crazy. I did not get sparked out. It was it was interesting as well. Villa, I mean, almost getting luck as well. 
because I I don't care what anyone says. Part I mean it was it was it was great that we were pushing forward and and, and we got um we got the goals that uh, you know yesterday. But I think you know last year if we made the same chances they're not going in. Um, I think it, it was it was one of them. Uh, I think it was it was interesting that that, that happened because we're, we're almost so so used to it being super tense, and it never really felt incredibly tense did it uh, i mean it it almost it always felt enjoyable to watch there, there was never a point in that game where 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 it was unbearable and i think i think it was just nice to see us go in there and do a professional job and i think at tune it up i think derby are just really struggling i mean i think it's at this point isn't it that they bring on waghorn and and, and marriott they really they really went for it and i think and they should have done that from the start. I thought if they, because that's a lesson they learn against Leeds. If they go direct, if they play the ball into space, if they ping it around, make fast movement in in the final third, they'll win the game. And they would have done that had they played that from the front, but they didn't. And uh, Villa ended up winning. But they'd have certainly given us a game. I just think that, like, look, I mean, Jack Mar- Jack Marriott comes on, doesn't he? And then, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna accredit that goal to him because I mean, Waghorn, mate, you're, you're an absolute. You can't steal. You can't be stealing goals like that. It's not. It's not nice. Um, but but uh, Marriott basically is the kind of player that scores against Villa every single time he's on the pitch against us. I'm pretty sure that happens anyway. I'm pretty sure every time Marriott scores against us, he. I mean, plays against us, he scores. I remember him. I, was it? Was he not at Peterborough when when Peterborough knocked us out? So yeah. Time? So he he scored against us for Peterborough, but he hasn't done it for Derby because Derby only scored against us this year. In yesterday, in yesterday's match. Sure, right, okay. Yeah, because we've put we put three past them at Pride Park, four past them at Villa Park, and they haven't scored. So he did knock us out of the uh, FA Cup. Though one one of the things my old man was worried about was the fact that uh, we we'd beaten Derby twice already that se- in the season, uh, and it, it's just one of those ones where you just don't end up you you don't beat a team uh, three three times in a row. It's just it's it's just difficult to do. Um, but we we just we, we almost seem to kind of go into that game as the strongest team and just say, look, this is this is us. We're stamping our authority. Uh, we're the ones who deserve to go up. And I th- I just thought that uh, I I just thought after that after that point after Tuna, I just I just you know I was cruising at that point, James. I was cruising. I was lying back, just kind of thinking, whatever happens, happens. Now I'm so glad that we managed to achieve promotion yesterday. I'm so glad. That we went up at Wembley. I mean, as good as it would have been to go up automatic, it's just the storyline is just perfect, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely perfect. And it go up automatic, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's so comfy, but it was so dramatic. The whole the whole playoff campaign has just been back and forth. You're going through. You're not going through. You're not going up. You are going up. You're back and forth. Oh, it's penalties. Now we're not. We're not going through. Oh, but we are. We're going to the final. And we've got Derby. We're going through. Oh, we're not going through because everyone wants Frank Lampard to go through and all, all the spiritual energy or whatever's with him. And then we are going through. And then we actually are going up. It goes back and forth so much. And it's been absolutely perfect. It hasn't done wonders for my heart, I will say. <laughs> not the season or the game. To be honest, the last three weeks have been tremendously difficult on my body. Um, adrenaline, mate. I can't. I've not been able to process it very well at all. I've just been shaking all day. I from basically grew up yesterday. I am buying the Blu-ray of the season review this season. <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> it's been it's been something. 
uh, and uh, James, uh, were, were you were you at the playoff final last season? Just that, yes, you were right. Uh, I mean, for for, for anybody who's who's gone to it last season and and known how it's felt, I just think it's incredibly brave to go there again. I th- I think it's really brave. Oh yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people have asked me why I haven't gone. I mean, part of it is because I've been fasting and I don't fancy the trip and uh, and all that. But I think also part of me, and I will admit to it, part of me was just so afraid of the heartbreak. So, so afraid of that heartbreak happening again. Um, and I, I, I can understand why going to that game would have taken a lot of anybody emotionally and mentally. Yeah, it was. I mean, I can absolutely sympathise with you there because it's just oof, thinking about not doing it and all that. I mean, Villa are in really good hands, so it's not like the world of it would have ended like it would have last year with those plums running the club. But uh, you know, the fact that we're in such good hands would have been the smallest consolation last year. You were thinking, how are they going to get out of this one now? How are they going to get out of it? How are we going to get out of the Premier League with Steve Bruce in charge, with no James Chester, no Jack Grealish, no Codger, no John Terry, no Snodgrass, no one? How are we going to do it? And we yeah, did it. Yeah, it's true. No, but that's full credit to, you know, Nassif Sariris, uh, Wes Edens, Perslow, Dean Smith, John Terry, Richard O'Kelly, Neil Cutler, everyone involved with Aston Villa Football Club because they have put in a hell of a, hell of a fucking shift this year, mate. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, they've 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 really done a lot to sort of take over from the from the last um, from, from from the last bunch, so to speak. Um, I, I know, I know, me and you have our disagreements on on Tony's ear, um, but you know, it, it definitely didn't look good at the start of the season. I think you know, the football on the pitch was poor. Perhaps, perhaps things would have been would have been different if. Uh, we'd hired another manager. I think, obviously, whilst we were grateful for Steve Bruce uh, for taking us where he did last season, um, you know, the 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 impending doom that that happened straight after that just kind of left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Um, I mean, I don't know if you saw, by the way, quick throwback, just because you know um, we're Aston Villa and and and, and and everything that happens to us is is overly dramatic. Did you see Keith Wyness and Tony Gia interacting with each other on on Twitter last night? It was it was really weird. I've made a note to speak about this, and I've just put embarrassing because it is embarrassing. They've got no right. It's Villa's right, regardless of what we think about Gia Wyness. Let's cast it aside. It's history. No one cares. That was Villa's biggest achievement in years, and they're, they're out there. Acting like last year didn't happen. Acting like that the winding up order wasn't on the door. Acting like people didn't lose their jobs. They're just going at it like just kids on the internet. And you're thinking, hang on, this is Villa's biggest achievement. And they're both making it out to be to be about them. I I I I can see why you know why someone might have a problem with with Zia's tweets because um I think I think the, the what what he said in there was my promise um came true right but other than that james i do i do like and i think this is i mean we, we shouldn't get we shouldn't get too too into it i i think you know economically we've had this discussion before i i do think that tony jar's always had villa's best interest in mind and i do think he cares about the club and for for him to for him to celebrate promotion um i've got no problem with that 
but then Keith Winer's commenting fraud straight under it. Yeah. It almost kind of like it just it, you just wonder why they're why they're still beefing. And and so publicly. Um There's some clearly stuff going on there, but Shark shoots back as well, don't he? he? Calls him I think there's a snake emoji in there. I was just thinking, you pair, really. You just both of them stop. Stop or bang your heads together. Know what I mean? Mm. Just you gotta leave today is a cele- a day to celebrate the achievements of Aston Villa after you left. It's not about you. It's not about what happened. It's not about Wyness. It's not about you. It's not about Steve Bruce. It's about Dean Smith, his players, and the owners who've taken us there, regardless of what happened. And I think it was very in bad, very much in bad taste how that went down. Yeah, it was. Because it was, in the, you know, what should be in the news the day after Villa's winning is how we're going to buy bloody Lionel Messi or Mbappe or something like that, something stupid. Not, here's Keith Wyness and Dr. Tony Jar, who have nothing to do with Aston Villa anymore, Z- going at each other. Zar Z- still. Uh, got um, holdings, isn't he, at Villa? I know, as far as we say that, he hasn't been mentioned at all by anyone. No, he hasn't. He hasn't. So, what I wanted to speak about as well before we wrap up and do match ball stuff is Perslow's interview that he's just done. I know you won't have seen it, mate, because it was literally on Sky Sports just as we went in to record, mm. but I caught a bit of it. And what he said was, how Villa was so badly run. He kept he, ne- he never mentioned Jar by name, but some of the things he was saying, like Steve Bruce had to run the club on his own, right? Like on his own, it was him. That's it. And that there's wastage of money. You know, it was a badly run business. It's all about the football now. We've got smart people in charge. I was just thinking, what did they spend two years doing? Really. But we said it was just a waste of time. We may as well. I started off and just went, right, Dean Smith, I know you're a manager of Warsaw, but come in and be the villain manager. Oh, here's Jack Grealish. Uh, make friends. There you go. We'll get promoted in two years. Because it just seems like we just built up such a negative patch of time. Well, nothing... I mean, I mean, if if you want to demonstrate more of what's been popping up from the previous regime, uh, Ross McCormack's contract goes up to 70k. <laughs> What see that's the thing it's just from forty five k right i mean this is this is what Perslow meant when he said uh and I, he was speaking to bbc bbc radio four as well today, and he said that on the recruitment side things in particular um you know haven't been handled as he uh i think okay i'll just read the i'll read the the full quote he said on the recruitment side in particular things have not been handled as I think they should be in the way our fans expect um and i, I think you know that's part of it. Uh, I, I think. I think really, what we need is what we need is is, is players who, who care about the club and, and care about taking us up. And I think it was, whilst I, I think all of us perhaps enjoyed the ambition uh, when 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 Zar first came in. You know, th- there certainly was a few eyebrows raised about about transfer fees. Uh, we don't want to be that club. You know, we don't want to be that club that 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 just. You know, throws money at, at, at players and expects it expects it to just kind of just kind of work. Um, I think what we've got now is a properly run club, like an, an actual system, right? Perslow seems to know what he's doing. Uh, he, he just comes across well. Uh, Pitark as well, in the same way, he seems to know what he's doing. 
and I think I think one of the things that um, that I will say is that when I was worried about, uh, I was possibly worried about not getting not going up because the stars have just aligned with all the transfers we have made since January. I mean, Mings Mings just worked worked incredibly for us. Um, you know, other loanies, um, Courtney ha- Courtney Hawes as well worked incredibly for us. Uh, and you sort of worry that um, if they go, uh, you know, the next few signings that we bring in might not work. But I think when you think about it, um, they know what they're doing. I think I think as well. Wes Edens was was talking about. I'm not sure if you saw this. But he was talking about sort of um, Moneyball style um, recruiting via statistics as well, wasn't he? Yes. So that's something Phil have invested in before, but no one really took a you know hold of it. It was just we're going to buy Veritu, Idrissa Gay, uh, Jordan Amavi, Adama Traore, and I do whatever you want with them. That's not how it works. <laughs> That's absolutely not how it works. It needs to be invested. You know, the, the manager needs to buy into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the manager's yeah. got no choice. You, know, you do it, and then you you implement that structure on the manager. They shouldn't argue with it like Sherwood did. They shouldn't argue with it and go against it like Bruce did. They need to be totally in line with it and accept that they'll be given a squad of players to use, and these will be good players. See, Smith seems to, I think, as opposed to what we've seen in the past, Smith seems to see the positives in everybody, doesn't he? I I just I think I think right, right, if you actually you won't you won't have heard the post match interview straight away, but I think he was asked about how he's managed to keep so many of the so many of the big players happy, and I think that that is something which which is really interesting. He he does seem to be the kind of manager that puts an arm around a player and kind of you know focuses on their positives rather than their negatives, uh, and and he and he, he's a he's a fair man. He's a very fair manager, and I think that exemplifies his approach to management. He's keeping he's kept all the players happy and he's done right by him. I mean I mean a striker is is quite uh I mean it, it it's it's very important that we sign one in, in the summer, isn't it? I think I think Absolutely. Mickey Quinn was talking about um Daniel Sturridge uh today. He's not he's not he's not the type I want. I mean what what I what I no. want is you know solid a striker who's gonna stay fit all season um and is guaranteed to get you get you goals. I don't care what anybody says. Premier League Right, that's what you need, right? I think I think it's the, it's the Me. most important thing, right? Like, I mean, Fulham. The only reason they had a chance of staying up was was Mitrovic. The only reason, personally, um, I I think that you know when you look at when you look at Huddersfield, whilst they you know they they gave it their all in a lot of games, you know Steve Munier wasn't wasn't really delivering. And you know that the, they had awful problems, you know, trying to score goals, uh, and and it's what ultimately led to their demise. We we in the Premier League under Paul Lambert, under under Tim Sherwood, struggled to score goals uh, for for you know a, a number of seasons, and that's what ultimately led to our demise as well. Because it looked like for years, I mean, and I'm and I'm going back a little bit. It looked like for years, every game we were playing in, right, you you, you did not feel confident that Villa were going to grab a goal. And that that you had to really rely on Benteke and Wyman pulling off a, a bit of magic. Oh, yeah. Usually Benteke, yeah. but that was it. Or I mean, you remember Benteke, right? But James, do you do you remember hoping? And I, I, this this was genuinely, genuinely our, uh, our our one saving grace for for a while. Do you not remember just hoping that Jordan Ayew was going to pull off a thirty yard screamer every game? That looked like our only way to score for for a period of time. 
we just couldn't do right by just said, oh, you could work. We just could not give them what they needed. And you had to hope that that was just going to pull something out of the bag. And that is just absolutely not the situation you want to be in next season. So I'm with you here. And I, I think you've already brought up the perfect man. I think we need Mitrovic. Absolutely. If we're not if we're not going to be able to get Tammy or whatever or keep the squad together, I think the first person you look at is Mitrovic. That's a good shout. Yeah, experienced guy, experienced player as well. Who you know perhaps you know uh, you know isn't gonna isn't gonna mind as well if if other if other players kind of get chances around him. That's the other thing. But def- defenders are scared of him as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Do, but do, I hate do you think he plays into our pretty football though? Oh, absolutely. All he all he needs is the right service. He runs into the channels. He bullies defenders. He does pretty much what you'd want Christian Benteke to do. And that's just not just holding up the ball and receiving. It's running the channels, creating these deaf little one-twos, connecting with wingers, connecting with the number 10. I think you really, really... If you if you can't go back and buy Pete Christian Benteke at Aston Villa, yeah. you absolutely want Mitrovic. You absolutely... Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, you don't go for Benteke, Benteke anymore, do you? I think uh, probably the wrong moves, injuries, just pure bad luck. I hope that is careering over. I think it's really too early to say, but he's not had a bad good few years. No, has no, he? he hasn't. He hasn't. He hasn't at all. Um, I, I like Tammy Abraham's going to be going to be a rough one. I, I know we'll have money, we'll have the money to spend, and you know if we can afford him, you know he's definitely an option. I personally can't see Chelsea letting him leave for anything less than twenty five to thirty million. I think after the season he's had, I'd be rather upset as a neutral if Chelsea didn't give him a chance just to see what he can do. But like, whilst he's been strong in the in the championship, though he does look a bit raw. Like, I, I still, I can still understand why Chelsea don't want him starting up front. I mean, there's still, I mean, when when he's marked out of the game, Abraham, you have to say that he, he he does get very frustrated and you know doesn't doesn't seem to be able to. I I can't see him sort of displacing somebody like Giroud, who is consistently sort of hustling and bustling and is just un sort of. Uh, un sort of interested uh, by by defenders even sort of trying to mark him. It's a tough question. I think uh, again, it's like Tranzibay. I really want Villa to keep him, but they absolutely deserve a chance at their parent club. I really think that with, truly with all my heart. I'm not saying that Tammy Abraham goes in and starts as Chelsea's new number nine and bangs in thirty goals in the Premier League. I'm just saying. There has to be a role in that matchday squad, whether it's on the subs bench, because you've just, you know, you've done the job that you came down to do. Oh, look, look Tanzibi does as, does does uh, as well a job as any of those Manchester United defenders in my. He's twenty one. I was so surprised that he was twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's very That's young. A... I think I, I am my my opinion of him now has just trebled, like. I've, I've read that. He's, I knew he was 21, but it never really sank in right. I saw Axel Twanzebe, 21, heading back to Manchester United. Might be in line for a start under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's younger yeah. revolution. And I'm thinking, that guy is so good for a centre-back at 21. The sky is the limit. And I'm thinking, if there's a person that Villa need to go absolutely hell to leather to sign, that's the guy. I think that's the only thing I'm worried about with our transfer kitty. It's like... A lot of that money might. I mean, when when you strip back the loanies, our squad is bare, man. It's, that's that's got, incredibly worrying. Yeah, we've got a very very tough job coming up. 
I th- I think personally, what we should try and do is maybe try and grab Twanzabi back on loan. Um, well, that was hinted at, wasn't it? Actually, I think it may have been before Solskjaer came back in, or before this new kind of transfer policy was handed out to him. But it was hinted that regardless of what league they'd be in, that we'd receive him in on loan, even if we said in the Championship. I think there'd be at least one more year, and I think yes, please. Like, yeah. I would hands up, hand on heart take that in a second. Another loan, I don't care about the loan policy. If those loan players are good and we're in the Premier League, I'm taking them because Twanzebe is the real deal. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think you you, you try and get Mings because he seems a bit more affordable. I think you snap up El Ghazi. Um, oh yeah, in a second, heartbeat. Yeah, that that's got that's got to be done. But Twanzebe, I just think that I think I think if we can't sign him. Um, it's because United have realised his value. And the the only thing that's stopping him getting into that United side right now is that United are scared, I think. I think they're very scared to to, to, to play sort of young players in defence like that, especially when, you know, the fans are so on them at the moment. You know, uh, I, remember, I remember watching uh, Twitter during the um, Legends game that United had on the other day and people saying stuff like, you know what's scary? You know, these guys are... Um, these guys are better than what we've got right now. Uh, shut up, right? Gary Neville's getting skinned if he plays in the Premier League today. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think it's 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 a tough one for a young player like Twan Um But look, he's dealt with the pressure at Villa, hasn't he? And we've been through some torrid times, uh, and he's always seemed to be pretty solid throughout that. I think that's the one thing that he that he has going for him. Yeah, well, let's finish the podcast, actually. I'm, I'm saving a lot of topics for next week when we do a season review or something okay. like that when we wrap it up. Yeah, we will have to save some stuff. Catch up with our match balls. Um, so the thing I want to speak about is a centre-back. It's James Chester. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw the news about him, um, but it came out in an interview today that he's actually, um, I think the exact quote was, indefinitely damaged his body thanks to playing through injury um, for Villa throughout this season. And it's something he'll have to now manage for the rest of his career. And that's 30 right. years of age. I mean, look, it's not the end of the world. It's football, but that's his job that he's now affected by doing because he's put his body on the line for Aston Villa in a situation he should have never been in. Mm. And, uh, you know, this goes back again, doesn't it, to, to really awful management. Really, really awful management. Starting the season with two centre-backs, uh, and you know Chester Chester played. I I I seem to remember thinking that he played every single game this season before. Or there and, and there the one before as well. Yep. Um, and so two yeah. whole seasons, and this one until he got a red card. Right, that was it. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's it's not fair on him. You know, this again just comes into not rotating, and also just you know, yeah, starting the season with two centre backs was just it was just an awful move. Really, really bad move. And and you know, you you think about, you know, what it what it means for the team, but also for the individuals. If you're if you're if you're James Chester, you're thinking, hang on a second, you're expecting me to pull pull my weight, you know, for the entire season. You know, for a player who's, who's sort of 29, 30, his body's not, you know, not in the peak of his career anymore. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and I think it's just it's it's a real shame that he's had to go through that. Really is a shame because uh, I I don't think Steve Bruce or I mean even Dean Smith for for a period of time really had a choice but to play him when we were getting hammered the way that we were because we were in an awful position. 
if you recall a player, even one to the calibre of Tommy Alvik from another club just to play for your club because you have got no one else. And if you're starting a young, really young centre-back in the, uh, if you put him in the match day squad like Dominic Revan, you, ha- you have got problems. And regardless of what happened, whether Villa were let down in the summer regarding transfers, and I think they were, I think they thought certain things were going to happen. And then those things fell through at the last minute when it really, really didn't look like they would. Villa were let down somehow. And that the money's paid the price, really. Because, I mean, Villa got their goal. No matter what, Villa actually got their goal this season. They got promoted. So the man, the only person who's really paid their price, as much as Steve Bruce lost his job, is uh, James Chester. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real shame. I mean, let's 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 hope that he's back. I think the best thing that the club can do for him right now is, um, I think, keep him at the club. Uh, don't I mean prepare not to have him being our first choice centre back. Uh, prepare to have him have him play uh, and step in. You know, uh, vital games. He doesn't need to play every single game of the season. Look at company at Man City, for example, and he can still be a leadership figure. Uh, and I think. You know the club should also be be looking at him, sort of potentially moving into um, a coaching role, sort of three years down, you know, two or three years down the line, because you know you can genuinely see that in him. He's he's a, he's a leader, and I think even having that around the club, um, it could be you know could be very strong. Well, certainly, I think uh, in that case, I'd go back for Scott McKenna, who uh, was was the man who was meant to come in. I mean, f- f- funnily enough, though, with, with McKenna, though, I mean, I I McKenna's younger. But I almost just want Villa to go for Mings now. I think you're looking at that left-sided, left-sided centre-back, aren't you? With yeah. McKenna? I want Mings. I know he's a bit older, but... Would you? Get both. Absolutely. If, if, if you, you can, can get Scott it. McKenna from... If you can get Scott McKenna from the 15 million, I'm telling you, you take that deal. That means saying... Um, that means saying no thank you to Courtney Hawes, though, doesn't it? Courtney I mean, House, Courtney you know? Hawes is going to be pennies, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you'd hope so. You'd hope so. Um, I think that... Depth at the back is really not going to be a problem for Villa. I think, you know, it's not like stockpiling them, but I sure. think you're going to be losing Alfic. You can probably, bring, if you can bring in McKenna and Mings and get to Anzabay on loan, that is, that's a dream scale scenario for me. That I is like high in the sky. I just can't see how we're going to have the money to fill up this squad. I'm not going to lie. Oh, we're massively rich now, mate. I think we can do what we want within reason. I don't see we're going to, we're not going to be splashing, you know, hundreds of million pounds. But I think a few smart boys a season, slowly upgrading his squad, making a team is uh, what it's all about. I mean, but the thing is, we'll need six or seven. It's quite a lot. We'll need six or seven. So, I think the key positions for me then is left back and striker and uh, right wing. And that's uh, that's a big ask, isn't it, actually? Yeah, and that's not even taking into consideration the centre backs. <laughs> We've just been making our dream situation at centre back, <laughs> ignoring the uh, the rest of the team, which needs a lot of work. Uh, okay, so Joe Lolly, um, yes, Mitrovic. <laughs> so that's ten million. That's thirty million. I reckon you've already spent um, plus Mings, which is probably about another fifteen. That's forty five million plus House. Let's make that forty seven million. Um, if you want. Al Ghazi, uh, let's not forget. Al Ghazi, so that's 52 ish million pounds. If and you want Swan as well, that's going to be put, you're really pushing it there. You're probably going to be hitting 82 million. Right, let's not, buy let's not forget um, De Lansbury, be honest, and maybe move on for, for, for new midfielders. I don't know. Uh, there's still 
you know, there's still the chance that that kind of thing happens as well. Yeah, you'll probably only get a million each from them. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's fifty million. <laughs> so look, it's 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 going to be a very very tough ask. It's going to be an, a very tough ask. Um, I'm not sure I want Glenn Whelan in the Premier League either. That's the problem, though. You're going to have to accept the fact that Villa may be forced into additional years, not only for Glenn Whelan, mm. but for Milay Jedinak. Which is, a, I know it's a massive ask, and I know that sounds stupid, but you've got to really think about the amount of players that Villa want to think about bringing in. And no one's saying Whelan starting every match, or Jedinak even sees the pitch. Yeah. But you really need to think about, hang on a minute, we have just replaced an entire team, and now we're heading into the Premier League. Yeah, don't throw everybody away. Don't, you know, yeah. that's the worst thing you can do. Um, it's only think... an extra year for the pair of them. Like, that's nothing. It's a that's... year of them just being a backup. They won't mind, will they? I mean, that's the only that's the only thing to, to wonder. They probably wouldn't, I don't think. And then the I other think thing is... They're leaders, man. They're leaders. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I just think... Uh, we're going to have a tough summer. We, we really are. I think I think I think we've got it. We've got to step back a sec. Uh, look, let, you know what? Listen, enjoy the playoff win. Uh, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy the playoff win. Um, but you know, in a few weeks' time, all I'm saying is we're probably going to be talking a little bit about, you know, um, how difficult this is going to be. But I, yeah, you know, Dean Dean Smith said that you know they've been. And I think I think you know some of the. I mean, the owners as well, Perslow, the way they've been talking, they've been preparing for the uh, for, for promotion for for the last. You know, for the, for the last month or so, um, I, I I I I'm sure they have targets in mind. I'm sure they're already doing business. Uh, I I can see us doing um doing fine. Uh, I think some of the some of the news reports that are going around are saying fifty million. Uh, in terms of a a transfer kitty for Villa, uh, you never know whether to you know trust these things. Um, the that fifty million was reported by the Daily uh, Mail. Um, but yeah, we'll see. You know, that fifty that fifty million transfer budget. Me and you have already spent that on four players. So uh, good luck, Dean Smith. But uh, mate, let's wrap it up with match balls. We have got to catch up with the West Brom one. So I'm going to make an executive decision, and I'm going to give all three to Jed Steer. <laughs> what is, is this for? Is, is this for Albion? Yeah, the second leg. No, because you need to give one to Tammy. At least. Okay, so two to Jed Steer. That's one for me, one for you, and the pod one goes to Tame. Um, but I'm giving you your authority back for the playoff final. Aston Villa two, Derby County one. Who is your match ball winner for Villa's final promotion winning game of the season? Oh, God. This was a struggle, man. Um, It's Al Ghazi, actually. No, it's easy. It's Al Ghazi. Yeah, I mean, El Ghazi's the one that, that came in with the with the header in the end. He looked like our strongest attacking threat. I thought, you know, you know whilst, whilst Grealish and McGinn did a fantastic job in midfield and, and Hurahan as well, fair play to him, it seemed as though Villa's attack just mainly was was out wide. It seemed like Villa almost switched and thought, you know what, instead of instead of going through the middle today, we're going we're, we're, we're going through the wings. And and Al Ghazi was also the one that, that whipped in the cross for for John McGinn. So for me, it's easy, man. It's 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 Anwar Al Ghazi. I think Villa's three choices today are easy. My one, and I'm only saying this because I know who the other one is going to be. My choice is going to be one of the two centre backs. Okay. So my choice will be. Okay, so Twanzebi was fantastic, 
But there was a man who put his body on the line, who went off injured, he busted gut to come back and save Villa from a certain goal. And that was Tyrone Mings. Which which save which, which moment was that where he saved us from so, the goal? From my position, there was a player bursting through and he runs back and goes into a sliding tackle. And I don't know how he makes up the distance, but he completely cleans, cleans the player out, he looked like, and took the ball away when he was through on goal. There were a lot of there were a lot of moments in the first half, particularly where that where Derby were were sort of you know. So very, this was late on. Through. This was this was very late right, on. Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. Because he went straight off injured after he was down, right? Straight okay, after it, yeah. Um, and mate, the the pot. The, this one's easy, mate. This this next one. So we got Al Ghazi, Tyrone Mings. I'm putting forward John McGinn. Okay. Who else? Yeah. Okay. John McGinn. Look, I mean, there's John. I mean, there's a case to be made for 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 El Mohamedi. I thought he did a fantastic job out wide. Absolutely, wise. yeah. I mean, there's 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 definitely a case for for El Mohamedi there. I mean, well, I'm gonna, I'm taking McGinn, mate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. No. I'm fair. I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with McGinn because I think that I think that we dominated the midfield, particularly for 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 the most part of the game. Um, and I think that you know, his, his him bursting forward and even attempting to score that header as well late on. Uh, was great and I think just yeah, he, he exemplified what he's been for us all season he didn't even get a booking uh, he, he managed, to get, managed to sort that side of his game out um, but yeah he, he ran his heart out ran his heart out uh, and I think you know of the midfielders uh, that we had on the pitch that day um, I think somebody else pointed it out as well um, he was probably the strongest uh, I think Grealish did a great job as well as captain don't get me wrong uh, I, I I just think that I think that this was genuinely a very very good all round performance. Uh, I think there's about probably about five or six guys here who could have got could have got match balls. But uh, James, you were at the game, mate. You 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 would have seen John McGinn running around the whole pitch. If that's what you want to go for, I'm a hundred percent with you. Excellent. So on a final note, um, please go to at uh, Yorkshire AVFC on Twitter and please consider donating to a just giving after a uh to repair a derby fan coach which is actually attacked by a, a number of idiotic uh, Aston Villa fans unfortunately so uh that's to raise money to refund the people on the coach and to repair the coach itself Fantastic. a lot of people moaning moaning about the the fundraising and the fact that the co- coach com- company might be taking people for a ride but hey Villa fans put put themselves in that situation anyway so it's a really good gesture please check that Twitter page out that's at Yorkshire AVFC I believe it's his pinned tweet um, but they're trying to raise money to uh, refund the fans and repair that coach. And I think that's only right. You can follow me at Gemma Rushton. Find him at Riser Journal. It's been the Holt cast. You can find us at 7500 to Holt. We'll be back next week with a season review. Hold on, James. Let's, 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 let's not escape, James. There's one thing you've forgotten to say to me. What? Uh, is there not a congratulations in place here? Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... So as you know, um, we do predictions for most matches, and uh, executive producer Trevor Hood keeps us up to date. He, he, you know, he calculates the match balls. He's got us all set up uh, every show. Um, we do the predictions, and we don't revel each week because it's all about the end of the season, right? Um, Danny Raza, of course, has won the predictions. He's got a number of matches bang on. I think it's three or four I bang on something like that. Yeah, which beats my two. And I think Phil, it beats Phil's free. So you are, again, for the second season running, the predictions champion. And Danny, I uh, reluctantly congratulate you. 
No, thanks a lot. It's been a very, very close one, though. It's been very, very you, close. You've got this planned out. You've got a little... You've no. definitely got a script. <laughs> I do not have a script. You've definitely got a speech. What I will say is, right, <laughs> I'm, I'm claiming three victories on, on, on playoff day because, obviously, Villa won the playoffs. I'm claiming Union Berlin as my German team as well, winning, winning their playoff. Um, and also, I nicked this prediction league on the final game of the season. I nicked it at the playoff final. Uh, and it was between me and um, me and Phil. So uh, no, all I can say is uh, thanks to everybody who supported me. Yeah, nobody supported you. Thanks for everybody that supported me throughout the season. Not one person supported you. Either Sorry, way, that was really harsh. That's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I'm taking it. All right. Well, mate, that is just such a, a good way to end the show. I mean, it's better than this time last season. You can find us on Twitter. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> we'll be back next week for a season review where I won't be punished by Danny Rose's predictions or anything like that. But we will have a few fun and games until the new season kicks off. See you soon. It's a Premier League. It's a Premier League podcast. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's a Premier League club. We're back in the big time. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>